Hello, church. How are we this morning? Yeah. Um, I'm really thankful that you asked me to um, preach, Matt, because I didn't have to watch the rugby last night. Instead, I was preparing the sermon uh, and every now and then checking it, going, oh, this is really, really good. Good use of time. Um, so we're going to open up at the end um, for prayer. Anyone who's got depression, um, we're going to... So if, you, yeah, if, you, if you're carrying the morning of the nation this morning, we can pray for you at the end. Um, so cool, guys. Uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you today. Um, today, I want to take, take us all on a bit of a journey on talking about this topic of heaven on earth. Um, it's going to be a bit of a smorgasbord and uh, some revelation that I've kind of gained over, over the years mixed in with some of my, my stories. Um, and no, just want you to note that I'm preaching to myself today. This is just as much for me. Uh, my main aim today is really to, uh, to stir our hunger, um, inspire, and even possibly challenge us uh, to, to go a little closer towards the more of God, more of his tangible love, and more of his, uh, more of his power. So first up, I didn't have time to do a fancy PowerPoint slide, sorry. Um, but first up we see in the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6. Uh, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, um, you, can, you can turn to Matthew 6. Uh, verse 9, we, we see Jesus teaching how the, how, the, how the disciples should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just want to stop right there because straight away we see that our kingdom and our will is inferior to his. Otherwise, he would actually teach us to pray differently. He teaches us to pray from that greater, greater reality of heaven to earth, that heaven would invade this earthly reality. I'll never forget uh, a story of a, of a lady who came to church once. Uh, I didn't quite know what she was suffering with, but it, it was obvious that she was suffering with something. And um, she, she went up for prayer at the end, and you know she was having a pretty amazing encounter with God. And God all of a sudden showed me this, as I was praying for a picture of, of light swirling around her head and um, healing her mind. So I just, I just walked up to her, and I, I prophesied over her. I said, this is what I see God doing with you right now. And so I, I prayed for her, and she opened her eyes, and she looked at me, and she said, that's exactly what I can see as well. Um, that, that lady um, had been suffering with um, epilepsy since the age of, of about six. Um, and to, to that day, uh, she, sometimes she would black out for up to, up to six hours. She had a medical alert um, bracelet and had a constant caregiver. I called her Saint Margaret because she was a saint who looked after this lady. And um, I'll never forget when the, that day when she left healed and completely loved by Father God. Um, later on, she told me that um, not even she grew up in a satanic family, and not even Stephen King could write her her story. Um, but that day, she left healed, and knowing the great love of the Father, you know, how amazing is that? Um, later, she came back a month, and then three months later, not one seizure. Um, I've lost touch with her now, but you know, God is amazing, um, and He He has this. For us, he wants this to happen for each of us. You know, heaven came into her world of suffering, and she she left completely changed. I'm sure, like many of you, I've, you know, I've had moments like that where you, you've seen the miracle, miraculous power of God. You, you've been completely undone um, by by His love. Uh, you 
you know, I've had moments where I've experienced the physical sensation of, of God's fire. And I'm, I'm sure we've all got amazing stories like this. But for me, I just feel like I've just scratched the surface. I feel like there's, there's so much more for us. It's what I have seen has, has ruined me. And, and I'm, I'm left wanting a whole lot more. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, lifting, I'm, I'm left wanting a whole lot more. Um, over the last few months, I've had this fresh cry bubbling up within, within me uh, for the more of God. The other week, I was listening to a worship song by one of Brian Johnson's oldies called, uh, I don't know if you've, you probably all, some of you might be familiar with it. It's, the name of the song is, what does, what does It Sound Like? And the verse goes, what does it sound like when you sing heaven's song? What does it feel like when heaven comes down? And what does it look like when God is all around? You know, what does it look like when God is everywhere? That's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Um, and as I started to worship to the song, I started to envisage what it looked like as heaven infiltrates every part of our lives, our work, our families, our, our marriages, our kids, our finances. I, saw, I could see everything... I could see everything being made new, made new, and all the impossible situ- situations uh, just just melt away. Um, this week, I, I prayed for one of our staff members. Um, she she's not a, a believer; in fact, she's a Buddhist. But she'd really busted up her ankle quite badly, ripped all the ligaments and, and so on. And uh, she'd been getting rehabilitation at the physio, and she just came back from an appointment, and she she told she proceeded to tell me that. The physio had told her that one of her ligaments was gone forever. It would never come back. And uh, so, you know, she's pre- obviously pretty gutted. And I said, oh, hey, look, Jesus can fix that, you know. Um, and just, just before I share her story, you know, I think too often in today's world, it's, uh, it feels almost like illegal or inappropriate to share about Jesus at, at work. But, you know, we should never be ashamed of the gospel um, because it's the power of salvation for all who believe. And, you know, when you, when you share the gospel, when you share Jesus, it releases tremendous power for that person to be saved. Um, so anyway, yeah, her story. Um, so just quickly, yeah, I prayed for her a couple of times. Uh, just a little bit of improvement. She was starting to get a little bit excited, and I said, okay, let's go for 100%. Um, so prayed for her a third time. I said, I'll pray for you one more time. And... Before I could even touch my hand on her foot, I could feel heat coming out. And I said, do you feel anything right now? And she said, oh my gosh, I feel all this heat coming out of my foot. And I said, yeah, that's why I asked, because I could, I could feel it emanating off your foot. And then she started telling me, like, oh my gosh, Jamie, what's happening? What's going on? What's, 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 what is this? And I said, it's Jesus. You know, Jesus is healing you. And she starts getting really excited. She's going, thank you. I said, yeah, it's Jesus is healing you. She said, thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jamie. And... Um, and I just and and then and then she um, you know she left totally ecstatic, um, sharing it with all the all the staff. Um, but one thing I just want to point out here is that note that it was her telling me how amazing God was. You know, um, because there was a demonstration of God's love and, and power, and all I had to do was agree. Yep, that's my Jesus. He loves you. And he's healing you. So this question. I have here for us. What should the normal Christian life look like? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And what does, it, what does the Bible say about this? This is, you know, these are big questions, and I'm not going to cover the whole 
topic, but I just want to give you a small snippet of, of some of my revelation on the matter. So um, firstly, let's, let's look at the Great Commission that we find in Mark 16. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. So in Mark 16, verse 15, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, he said to them, as you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracles will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will supernaturally be protected from snakes and drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere. As the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. So I just want to highlight the verse here in 17 where it says, miracle signs will accompany those who believe. So if those who believe are me and you, then we can expect these miracle signs to, to follow, to accompany us. You know, the sick healed, driving out demons, um, drinking poison and not being harmed. And if these signs aren't following, then we need to go on a journey of discovery because, you know, this, this is for all of us. This is for all of us. Then in, in Matthew ten seven we read, The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Note that he doesn't tell us to ask him to heal the sick. He just tells us to go and do it. He's already given us all the authority that we, that we need. I also love it how um, uncomplicated this directive is. You know, and I think we can, you know, he's basically just saying, freely you receive, so you know, freely give. It almost seems too simple, which is where we can be tempted to try and complicate it with a bit of theology. You know? um, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that it is actually that simple. Um, God's normal is supernatural, and he wants our normal to be supernatural too. You know, we think it's amazing when someone comes to know the Lord and someone gets healed, and it is. It's incredible, and we should always praise God. It's always by his grace. It's always, it's always him. But, but then he's like, okay, now what you've just witnessed, that's your new normal. Go and do that everywhere. Oh, and by the way, you're going to do even greater works than me. <laughs> we see in John 14, 12. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything, and I will do it. That's, that's pretty crazy. Greater things than, than him. We can ask anything, and he will do it. One of the things I'm learning as I journey through life is that the world around us is increasingly uh, desperate for the reality of, of God's love and a demonstration of his power. And we see that in Paul's, um, that was one of Paul's primary objectives in winning the Corinthians over, over to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, 3, 
He says that he, he, didn't, he, doesn't, he didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. One of the things I love about praying for people is that I think it's the easiest way to show them God's love and introduce them to, to Jesus because you're just simply giving God permission to move. You don't have to sell anything or force anything. You're just allowing him to, to do his part, to move supernaturally. Um, uh, recently, at, um, I was gonna, you know, going to the barbers to get a haircut and I was waiting in line, and I noticed um, my barber, she was limping around on her, her leg in quite a bit of pain, you know, cutting hair. And I thought to myself, I don't want her cutting my hair when she's in agony. <laughs> uh, that just doesn't seem right. So, um, so I said, hey, look, what's, you know, what's, what's the deal? She had an operation, ACL operation on her knee. And she was in a lot of pain. It was, it was about four weeks ago that she'd had the operation, but she was still in a lot of pain, and she had, she had to pretty much go from the operation straight into back to working. So I said, hey, look, can I, you know, can I pray for you? She said, sure, yeah. And pretty much straight away, the pain left. Um, she starts shaking her leg, going, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. This is amazing. She goes, because just two weeks ago, another guy came in, and he prayed for me because I wasn't able to sleep. And then I could sleep. Um, and now you come in. And now you come in, and you, you pray for me, and now all the pain's gone. <laughs> and, I, and I just said, you know, go, Jesus, you know. That's, that, that's amazing. But, you know, she, again, she was telling me how amazing God is. And um, I, Again, I checked up on her later. Um, about two months, I went in for another haircut, and she just start, she came up to me. She started shaking her leg like, look, look, nothing. It's all done. It's all gone. Um, completely free, no pain. Um, don't, we serve, don't we serve an amazing God, eh? You know? So, you know, as the vineyard saying goes, we, um, it's, it's about being naturally supernatural. We don't have to do anything strange or speak a certain way. We just need to be ourselves as we, as we normally are. I'm not saying it's, it's always going to be fun um, or that it will always work. Uh, recently, I was going on a walk with Anna on the, on the beach and I've been trying to, I was trying to convince her for quite some time to go treasure hunting with me does everyone know what treasure hunting is here some of you may not yeah so what it is is, is basically you know you pray God gives you clues for people um, and then you go and try and find those people in a, in a mall or on the street and you pray for them you offer to pray for them or prophesy over them it's a lot of fun and you see amazing things um, but so I, so I managed to convince Anna to do this with me and um, so we walk up I saw a guy, we see a guy kind of limping down towards the water and our heart went out to him so we, we, we walked up to him and I said hello and, he, and straight away he says F off <laughs> before I could even get a word out and um, so I said oh but F off, didn't I tell you to F off and uh, so you know it doesn't always work <laughs> And not a great start for Anna either. But, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, you, you just have to roll with it. It's, it's all part of it. Um, you know, the truth is that God has invited us into a partnership, into co-laboring with him. When Jesus commissioned his disciples and returned to the Father, he effectively handed the baton onto us. He subjected his will to our will, meaning that 
He moves when we move. He demonstrates his power when we take risks. Has anyone heard how you spell faith? R-I-S-K, risk. Yeah, you know, he's a, God's a gentleman. He won't force anything on us. Um, but if we want to see God move the mountains in our life, we have, to, we have a part to play. We have to bring our faith, our praise, and our, and our perseverance. Um, one, well, about three years ago when we were, we had a gathering at our, in our house um, and God gave me a word of knowledge for a friend of mine that he had a bad back. So um, I went up to him and you know, said, you know, have you got a bad back? And started, started praying for him. I didn't know what it was, but um, I could tell when I placed my hand on his back, he had, he had excessive kind of curvature going on there. Um, and he told me that it was a condition called hyperdolosis, which with excessive uh, curvature of the spine in the lumbar region. So anyway, I prayed. Um, nothing happened. So I said, okay, God, what are you doing? You know, what else, are you, what else can you show me? And so instantly I saw this, this kind of vision unfolding of me tapping his head and tapping his back and then light filling, healing light filling his body. And so I just, I just copied that. I just did that. I said, okay, tap. I put my hand on his back, and I thought, that's weird because the back seems straight now. Um, I said, dude, are you pulling in your tummy abs? <laughs> and he goes, no, but it's really strange. My back's completely healed. I mean, it's completely straight. Um, I, don't, I don't get it. And um, so anyway, we, we go on, and he's, he's, he's completely healed. And to this day, I checked in with him. We just caught up with them for dinner the other night, and it's still completely healed, and he... He uses that as he leverages that testimony now for every time he prays for someone, and he, um, yeah, he sees he sees God doing stuff. You know, it's cool. Um, so you know, we are his chosen people. We are, we're his delegated authority. Um, sometimes you know we might think, God, what were you thinking? Um, but I'm reminded it's actually not about us; it's about Him, and it's and and in fact, His strength is revealed in our weakness. You know, you look at all the great men and women in Scripture, and even of today, uh, they all had they all had and have weaknesses. And I know it's the same for us too. Um, you know, when we're yielded, He can do incredible things in our weakness. We've seen this in our life. Uh, one of our most powerful times of seeing God move and do crazy miracles was um, when we were in our worst season financially. Um, Particularly over like this 18-month period, it seemed like all the financial doors were, were closed to us. And I would say to Anna, um, well, at least there's one thing I know I don't want to do um, that eliminates that option. But I'm open to anything else. Uh, and that was insurance, by the way. Um, and just so you know, full respect to people insurance. Um, I uh, have a lot of respect for you. I know some great operators. Uh, it's, it's a needed service. Um, but for me, I'm more of a risk taker. And insurance is all about mitigating risks, so the two of us don't really gel well together. Um, so, but anyway, guess what happened? Um, the only door that was left open to me was, yeah. So, don't you love God's sense of humour? Um, but yeah, God taught me a lot in that season. Uh, but I remember during that season, I remember praying uh, for a friend. Um, when you know, during that season when we had no money, he needed a financial breakthrough of. Of about seventy, he needed seventy grand the next day, uh, basically, um, to pay a bill. He's a reasonably wealthy guy, um, and so you know, prayed for him uh, the next day, 
he, he gets, the money comes in, he's able to pay his bill. And I'm like, that's amazing, you know, God's amazing. And I'm, and I'm stoked for him, but I'm like, God, just enough to pay the, the mortgage and the groceries would be great. <laughs> um, and, you know, God, by the way, God did save us like about four times um, from, from defaulting on our mortgage. So um, he's incredible. Um, and, but at that time, during that season, I just I kept hearing God say to me, if you'll, focus, if you'll focus on what matters to me, I'll focus on what matters to you. And he just kept, kept saying the same thing. Because, you, you see, he wanted my complete surrender, and he wanted my trust that he is a good God and that he will look after me. Um, and fast forward today, uh, after a series of, of miracles, uh, I'm no longer in insurance. Um, <laughs> um, but, but the GM and part owner of a, of a tech company, uh, it's a long story, but it, it's a good one. I'll share it another time. Um, I'm going to skip this big section, otherwise we're going to run out of time. What's that? Yeah. Good. It says 11 o'clock. Half an hour? Okay. Okay. Take my time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in that case, I'll go back. No. <laughs> so um, when I was praying about what to share on um, the other day, I was on, on a bit of a God walk, and uh, God gave me this scene of, you know, he showed me the scene of Moses picking up the snake, you know, when he does that. Throws down a staff and then turns into a snake, he picks the snake back up. Um, so just quickly, um, if you've got, again, uh, if you want to turn there, Exodus 4.4, 4, um, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So you can just, you just imagine it. You know, he throws it on the ground, it becomes a snake. Ah! Then God's like, okay, now I want you to pick it up. You mean that deadly snake there, that, that could kill me? No thanks, I'm, I'm good, <laughs> you know? And for us, you know, as I, as I was praying, what, what, you know, what, what does this mean for us? I felt like God was saying to, to you and me that exactly like Moses did, that God's saying to us, he wants to pick up that deadly snake. He wants us to pick up what we're afraid of, what, what looks like might hurt you. Pick up your calling and watch your fears become your staff of authority and influence in the sphere of life that you've been placed in. Pick up what looks impossible and he will perform his miracle and dazzle and turn people's hearts back to God. And I reckon there's kind of, so I reckon there's kind of two parts to this. The first is you know, that we need to pick up the calling and the gifting and the authority that he has for, for each of us. And you know, that's a whole other topic, but if you're not exactly sure about what that might be in your life, I encourage you to just start, start looking at where you have influence in your life. Start, look at where you have the favor and the grace of God. And number two, I feel like he's saying to us, um, pick, up, pick up the supernatural as the normal Christian life. 
You know, Moses was, was obedient. He picked up the deadly snake, which then allowed God to perform the miracle. And it's the same to you and me. As we reach out and pick up that snake, God will back us up and he'll validate our risk. He'll demonstrate his love and power through us. So, now where are we going? Let's see. Just want to make sure that I don't run over time. Yeah, so just, just a quick note on, on dealing with fear. Uh, you know, fear is one of Satan's main weapons. I'm sure we all, all know that. Um, because he knows that if he can paralyze us, then we become completely ineffective for, for God. But the good news in 2 Timothy 1, 7, we read is that, that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us the Holy Spirit who gives us mighty power, love, and self-control. That's the Passion Translation. Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but you know Satan's propaganda machine runs 24-7, transmitting fear, lies, deceit, perversion across the, across the airwaves, taking prisoner to anyone who will listen. And I've, I've found the only way out, is, way out is to completely tune out of that airwave. Instead, we have, to, we have to lean back into God, to soak in his presence, to pray, to listen, to lean back into the word of God and let his word and the way that he thinks change our thinking. When we do this, fear will subside, but fear will subside, but maybe not always 100%. And at that point, we just need to feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, like Nike Air, just do it. Um, a, a, a classic story of, of, of um, this fear is, is recently one of our staff members, was old staff members now, was, was um, caught in some fraudulent activity. Um, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty upsetting for, for all the staff. Um, and he, obviously he didn't like getting caught out. Um, he began opening up about why he'd done it in his personal life. And so we, we talked for about four hours. Uh, I remember feeling really torn in two and like the fear of this turning into like a, an employment drama um, if we weren't careful with how we dealt with it. Um, on the one hand, I was thinking, do I take decisive action and appropriately dismiss this, this employee? Or do we show forgiveness and share Jesus with the one that loves him? and can redeem anything. In the end, we decided to do both. So I had to let it, we, had to, we had to let him go. But um, in the process, I, I led him to the Lord as well. So really cool ending. Um, but but I, had to, I had to dismiss the fear. You know, I had, to, I had to go with God on it and not give in to the fear. You see, because if we operate from fear, we don't give God a chance to use us. And the person that he sent us to, it means that they, they might not get their chance either. So yeah, we need to turn, turn away from fear. Um, the other quick thing I wanted to share with you on is, is you know, dealing with life's wrecking balls. You know, they all come at us. I'm sure you know, you've, you've all had your fair share. Uh, we have. I talked on this last time I spoke at Vineyard here. Um, so I don't want to go into detail on it, but I, will, I do want to just quickly mention a couple of things here. You know, um, I'm not sure where you're at, but for me, I, I, I can't say I've, 
completely reached the standard set in, in James where he talks, he, he says, you know, consider it pure joy when you face many trials of many kinds. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'd like to be, but, but I'm, you know, I'm learning. <clears throat> and one day recently when I was reading Acts, I, uh, God gave me this, this revelation, Acts 22, you know, straight after Paul, what, what had happened is he'd just been stoned and left for dead. And then in the next, next passage straight after that, we see Paul encouraging and strengthening the believers to go deeper into their faith. And he teaches them this in Acts 14, 22. It is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. That's the only way we can endure our many trials and persecutions is if we are living from that place in his kingdom. You know, that's the reason why Paul could preach in love and fire straight after being stoned and left for dead. And that's the reason why Jesus never once camped in disappointment because he's living in a completely different realm. And the call is the same to us. It's, he's calling us to live in his presence, in his realm. And so, you know, when we get smashed by life wrecking balls, uh, we need to bring our pain to him. You know, human tendency is to run away and retreat in our pain and, you know, put walls up. But it's critical that we stay, and especially in those moments, it's critical that we stay connected to him. Stay with him, stay connected to him. That's where we're safe, and that's where he can redeem anything and change everything. So, yeah, where are we at in our pursuit of the more of God and seeing more of heaven come into our world? I'm really keen for us as a people of God not to settle with life as we know it, but to keep pressing for God's best you know, in our, in our lives. Like Paul says in Philippians, Philippians 3.13, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. You know, this is Paul we're talking about, the great apostle. He hasn't taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So this is an awesome key here, to keep forgetting what lies behind, whether whether, you know, it's tragedy or God's glory. Um, but forget, leave it behind. Press on to the new, press on to the more. You know, the crazy thing is he's given us everything. Nothing stands in our way. We read in Romans 8.32 that God didn't even spare his only son. And if he didn't spare his son how will he not give us all things? So, you know, nothing is in our way. And again, in, in Hebrews 12, 1, I won't read it all, but um, actually I will. Yeah, we have, so in, in Hebrews 12, 1, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. And I just want to highlight that. We've got to let go of every wound that, is, that has pierced us, every wound that has got into our heart. Then we, we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. 
Some of you may have seen in the, in the news recently uh, the first guy to ever run a marathon in under two hours. Can you believe it? Insane. Um, his name is Eliud Kipchog. I had to look that up on Google to see how to pronounce it. Um, but incredible feat, you know, truly astonishing. But, he, you know, he didn't do that alone. Britain's richest man spent $30 million on the project. Yeah. Um, every element was conducted with military pre- precision, it says. He had a pacer car projecting like a green laser grid on the road so that he could just keep up with the green laser. He had fellow pacers, runners, running with him. He had the latest tech, night shoes and running gear. Um, and obviously a massive crew running the entire event. So, so much expense was, was, was given to, so that this guy could, this one person could fulfill their dream. And you know the crazy thing is that that's exactly what God has done for us, for each and every single one of you. He's completely backed us to win our race. It's been totally rigged in our favor. We have Christ living in us. We have angels assigned to each of us to fulfill our destiny. We have all of heaven backing us. And we have these great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. You know, you can just picture it, eh? All we have to do is keep running our race and never give up. In Hebrews 6, it tells us that we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. It's not just faith, but it's both. It's both and. And, you know, if it's not the end, then it's not the end. We need to keep going. I love the story of Jacob. Uh, you know, Jacob, one of, our, one of our great fathers of the faith, um, patriarchs. In Genesis 32, we read, you know, when he was wrestling, when he wrestled with God, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. We need to be like that. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. What a cool story, eh? Amazing. I love this story because, you know, he refused to let go until he received the blessing of God. And he overcame. Sure, it cost him a limp. So he walked funny after that. (laughs) But he refused to let go. And immediately after that, you know, God changes his name to Israel, the chosen people of God. He becomes highly favored in God's eyes, and he blesses him. And it's the same with us. If we persevere in the struggle of our race and refuse to let go of our loving Father, we will overcome. We will see the supernatural power and love of God displayed in our lives, and, and he will uh, you know, bless us, like in ridiculous ways. 